The Pentagon is almost never without one initiative or another aimed at improving its management practices. Its latest effort is a new institute devoted to management research and best practices. Here to tell us about it, Federal News Network's Alexandra Lohr. All right, Alexandra, what's going on here with this new institute? Yeah, so the program is a nonprofit institute run under the umbrella of the Institute for Defense Analysis in Alexandria, which actually runs a couple of research projects for the Pentagon. The mandate of the project is to develop a pool of experts to study management, create development centers that include experts from the academic world, from think tanks, from business, and from government. And also, the Institute's supposed to build a library of best practices and resources. So they're not constantly reinventing the wheel. They're going to figure out what they did that was good in the past and try and do it over again. All right. And as we said at the top, they've always got something going on to try to improve management practices. I mean, every new administration and sometimes within an administration, there's a couple of efforts. So this is following in a fine history of this sort of effort? So this is a long history of them trying to fine-tune this process. As far back as 2005, the Government Accountability Office recommended a chief management officer position. Now, that idea was kicked around and thought of in different ways for quite a while. They finally put someone in that position in 2018, and then in 2021, Congress abolished the position. Before Congress de-established it, they had the Defense Business Board study how it was going with the position. The Defense Business Board said it was not going well. Retired Marine Corps Major General Arnold Panero was on that board at the time. So we recommended that it be disestablished. We recommended that the deputy basically reinstate uh, themselves as the enhanced chief operating officer, put the performance improvement organization under the deputy. I remember that chief management officer, and I remember the elimination of it. It was just a couple of years ago. And what did they find the problem was with having a CMO? That's something I talked to General Panero about, and he told me the position never really got off the ground. He said it was never fully accepted by the agencies. It was never fully accepted by the Joint Chiefs. The command structure of the Defense Department didn't allow for integration under that type of authority. Also, the position was vacant a couple of times, and they had to go to an acting manager to fill the role. Panero said he thinks the Institute may be a better solution, particularly with the commitment of Deputy Secretary Kathleen Hicks behind it. Look, the Pentagon, as you well know, is the largest, most complex organization in the world. There's no getting around it. It's a learning organization. They try to improve every day, but frankly, they need outside help. Organizations have a hard time sometimes reforming itself. Well, he's right about that, but you need objectives if you're going to launch reform efforts. So what about reforms? What kind of reforms do the brass in place now think they need to make? He had a bunch of ideas about that. He talked about the problems there, the increasing personnel and increasing spending on things without necessarily getting their money's worth out of it. Um, He talked about inefficiencies, all of those things that he hopes the Institute can address. And in terms of reform, AI is one of the biggest ones. I think it's something we talk about all the time. People have trouble logging on at the Pentagon. They reauthenticate their accounts over and over again. There are older computers. I think I wrote an article about it recently, and on social media, I heard a primal scream from people who have these problems. Help desks are another problem. They have redundancies where you have a problem, it's not resolved, you get re-ticketed for it. 
Panero also talked about the acquisition process and said it has unrealistic requirements. The requirements process is not linked to reality and to cost most of the time. And that's because they don't talk to industry and, and, and experts about what's doable, what's feasible. Then you have uh, the acquisition system, which is not the same as the requirements in the budget system in the budget. So you have these three separate stovepipes that, frankly, could be better integrated and are not. That's retired Marine Corps Major General Arnold Panero. As I did this story, I also talked to Beth McGrath. She left the Pentagon in 2013 after a 25-year career there. She was very involved in, in this management reform process, and one of her positions was deputy chief management officer. That was one of the permutations of the management chief job that the Defense Department has gone through. I asked her for a wish list of things she'd like to see fixed with the new management institute. She mentioned data management. Secretary Hicks and uh, Secretary Donnelly all talked about data and access to data. Without it, you only know what you know. And so uh, I think the systems is the sort of the first place I would start with the end in mind of both you know, rationalizing the number but also optimizing performance. And so I would tie data right right along with the systems. And then, you know, I, I'd probably look at the, the HR process or HR. It's too, it's too slow. That's Beth McGrath, a former Pentagon official and managing director for Deloitte Consulting. She said streamlining HR would help with recruiting because right now people have to wait too long to get through the hiring process. All right, so we've heard a list of complaints. The computers aren't very good, and the networks make people validate all the time. That's kind of a low-level technical issue that with a little money they could fix. Then there's hiring. Then there's, we didn't hear about financial management, but there's data management, acquisition. There's always acquisition. So this institute will bring some coherence to the problems that, that not only the institute identifies, but what are the people in the Pentagon, the career officers, the career staff, are they having input into this institute? They are, and I think a big emphasis on the on the institute will be training people. So they come up with best practices, they learn from their mistakes, they train their workforce and get more efficient and do it better, and all the problems are solved. Well, then after that, maybe they can take on the program objective memorandum process. That's right. There would be a great cheer going up from the central courtyard if that ever got fixed. Federal News Network's Alexandra Lohr, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost... uh... Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of of people with intellectual disabilities and 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 physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. 
And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, you know, and I obviously will say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're, they're really heroes. And, um, so I was, I was drawn when I, I, and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone and I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see, you know, throw, uh, send in my information and lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and, um, I learn, uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C., and you know, uh, Terrell, who who works in in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's you know getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused, uh, has a has a good story. Like it can just turn a day around for you. And 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 you think of I I you know so often when he'll walk away, I'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know, stressing me out and come on, you know, like, look at, look at Terrell, like he, he, he faces everything with optimism. And, and, and I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally, you see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from from their last competition, and they're so committed, and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs and 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 I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a- the athletes of Special Olympics that. Uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we get more than we give, uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but, but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I, I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That, that, you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so, uh, joyful. And, and uh, I mean, we work hard and, you know, we, we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day. But, uh, man, you see it, it and, and, and the inclusion and the, at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, 
I, I can't imagine that won't help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials. Um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people, and, and it doesn't have to be, uh, it's not just school age, it's, it's uh, you know, we say nine to 99 or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding of, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.